I believe that God has something for us today. Amen. Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 13 says this, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And jumping down to verse 19, for the sake of time, it says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And I just want to speak on something I feel like, uh, you know, for this year, I, you know, we heard the theme for this year is set free and in 23. And I truly believe God's going to do some great things. And if we're not careful, we'll try to excuse our way out of it. We'll try to talk ourselves out of what God's wanting to do for us this year. And I just felt uh, impressed in the Holy Ghost to speak on this subject. I don't have a good excuse. I don't have a good excuse. I wonder if you turn to your neighbor before you're seated and just tell him that. Tell him, I do not have a good excuse. Studies will show that we make at least six excuses in a day. To me, I feel like that's low. I feel like I make a lot more excuses in a day. Anybody with me? I feel like, you know, we can become a master at excuses. You can get so good at, at having excuses. Uh, one of the websites, uh, one of the studies that I found, uh, just an article, it's not even talking about spiritually speaking, but it says some of the top excuses that people make is this. Number one, I'm too young or I'm too old to start. Number two, I'm not talented enough. Number three, I don't come from the right family. Number four, I don't have the support I need. Number five, I don't know if I will succeed or not. Number six, I don't have the right teachers. Number seven, I'm not motivated or I'm too easily distracted. Number eight, I will start tomorrow. I really struggle with number eight. Number nine, I'm not ready. And number 10, I don't believe that I can do it. Excuses are a part of the human condition. And we excuses are made to, to try to, to say that we cannot do something. And, and uh, we, we look at the negative rather than the positive. And, and it's, it's something that we find in just the very basics of humanity, going all the way back to the beginning, going back to the very first fall of man, the very first thing that begins to happen is the excuses begin to pour out. If you go back to Genesis chapter 3, the Bible, it says this, and they heard the voice of God after taking a bite of the fruit of that tree that they were not supposed to take. It says they heard the voice of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And here's where he gives an answer. He said, It's the woman that you gave to be with me. She gave me the fruit, and I did eat. You ever feel like that sometimes? I'm not the problem. It's the woman with me. Or maybe the women can say, I'm not the problem, it's the man that's with me. 
So God, you can tell, looks at the woman. And the Lord said unto the woman, what is it that thou hast done? And the woman said, it was the serpent. The serpent is the one that beguiled me and then I did eat. Just from the very beginning of time, you see the very first human beings on the planet making excuses for our actions. And and we must be careful that we do not make excuses when it comes to God. I feel like there is something that God wants to do in this church. And, and you could feel it all. You know, I mean, you can begin to feel that God is just beginning to build something. Something is, something's beginning to break. Something's beginning to happen. And, and if we're not careful, I believe that, that we can just, it can just pass us by. I don't believe it's going to pass our church by, but I believe it can pass you by. What God wants to do in your life, the things that God wants to accomplish in your home and in your ministry and the things that God wants to do and the, the things that God wants to set you free from this year. God has great things in store for us, but we've got to make up our mind. I don't have a good excuse for why God cannot do it. We got to make sure we don't become lazy. Proverbs talks about this. It's, it's, uh, it's very interesting how, how it talks about this in Proverbs chapter 26 and verse 12. It says, do you see a man that's wise in his own conceit? He said that there is more hope of a fool than of him. And then it goes on to talk about this slothful man, this, this man that is lazy, that makes excuses. And it says that the slothful man saith, there's a lion in the way. A lion is in the streets. Now, that seems like a pretty good excuse to me. I mean, <laughs> but he's talking here. He's saying, you cannot be held captive. Saying, I can't go out today. I can't, I can't go do what I need to do because there might be a lion in the way. There might be something that, that is too big for me to overcome. And it says, as the door turneth upon its hinges, so doth a slothful man upon his bed. He just goes from one side to the other, but never really goes anywhere or accomplishes anything. It says, the slothful man, the slothful man puts his hand and hideth his hand into his bosom or puts his hand into the plate. But it grieveth him to even bring it back up again to his mouth. The sluggard is wiser in his own conceit than seven men that can render a reason. Ladies and gentlemen, I've come to tell you there is a reason why you don't have a good excuse tonight. I've come to, t- I've come to hopefully fight through somebody's excuses and, and hopefully fight through somebody that thinks, you know what, I, I just, I, I, I've, I've got it all figured out and to tell you, you don't have a good excuse because you have Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter what you face. When you have Jesus Christ on your side, there is not a good excuse. When God is for you, there is not a good excuse because anything is possible with our God. But I believe in 2023, we must free ourselves of excuses. You got to free yourself from excuses. And, and uh, you know, Pastor talked about it today about, about finances being something that can hold you down and hold you captive. I remember I was, as a young man, I was sitting in a meeting and, and, uh, it was a meeting for young ministers and, and, uh, and, and this man came in and gave, gave a speech and I'll never forget it. He said, one of the number one things you need to do is you need to get yourself in financial order. He said, if you want to be used of God, 
He said, if you want to be used of God, get yourself in financial order. He said, because he can't, he said, I can't tell you how many times somebody's wanted to do something for God, but they can't because they can't do it financially. They want to go on a missions trip. They want to go on an outpouring crusade, but they don't have the money to do so. They, they haven't planned and they haven't prepared to do so. Or, or, or there, there's, there's a ministry opportunity for them, but, but they don't have the time because they got to put so much time into their work and so many different things. And you can begin to create excuses for yourself. The Bible talks about this. Jesus talks about this in a parable, Luke chapter 14, in verse number 16. He said unto them, a certain man made a great supper, and he bade many to come to this supper. He sent his servants at supper time to say to them that were bidden, come, for all things are now ready. And they all, with one consent, begin to make excuse. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe God has something, has prepared something great for us. And I believe God is saying, hey, come on, it's now ready. It's now time. It's now time. But if we're not careful, we can begin to make excuses why maybe somebody else can do it. Maybe somebody else can teach the Bible study. I just don't have the time. I just don't have the time to teach the Sunday school class. I, I just don't, I'm just not able to do it. We can come up with excuse after excuse. The, the Bible says this, the first said unto him, I bought a piece of ground. I must needs go and see it. I pray thee have me excused. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen and I go to prove them. I pray thee have me excused. And another said, I've married a wife. Therefore, I cannot come. And, and he, he begins to look around at everybody and notice none of these are bad things in and of themselves. They're not sinful things. To buy a piece of ground or to get a yoke of oxen or to marry a wife. None of these things are bad things. But, but it was excuses that they begin to use to say, you know what, I just can't come to the table today. I just can't be a part of what you're doing today, Master. I just, I just don't have enough time because I've busied myself with so many different things. And the Bible says, so that servant came and showed his Lord these things. And the master of the house being very angry said to his servants, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in thither the, the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the Lord said unto the servant, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. There's still room. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. There's still room. There's still room. We may have a lot of people that's involved in ministry, but let me tell you something. There's still room for you. God still needs you. God still needs you. God still needs you to realize you don't have a good excuse. You have His Spirit and you're willing and you're able to do it. But He says there's still room. Yet there's room. And so the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Ladies and gentlemen, if we get caught up in our excuses, we will miss what God is trying to do. If we, if we get too busy with, with busy things, not even bad things, if we just get too busy with busy things, let me tell you something, we will begin to miss what God wants to do in our lives. God is calling upon us to free ourselves from all excuses and to realize I don't have a good excuse. I need to get involved. In the kingdom of God. The only thing that you need is the Spirit of God 
and to be available. You don't have to be qualified. You don't have to be perfect. Because God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Let me say that again. God does not call the qualified. He qualifies those that He has called. He takes a rough and a tough Peter and and He makes him into an apostle. He takes a Christian killer named Paul and He turns him into the one that wrote half of the New Testament that you read. And it's because there's no excuses when it comes to God. When God puts His Spirit inside of you, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. The Bible says you're called when He puts His Spirit in you. Because it says the promise is unto you, to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So when He puts His Spirit in you, you are called. You're called for a purpose. You're called for the work of God. And yes, you cannot do it on your own. But you are not on your own. You have God's Spirit living inside of you. So you've got to throw aside every excuse and realize I may have a lot of excuses, but I don't have a good excuse because I have God on my side. And with God on my side, anything is possible. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And God shall supply all my needs through the riches of the glory in Christ Jesus. Turn to the person next to you and say, I don't have a good excuse. I don't have a good excuse. I have a lot of excuses. But now that I have Jesus, they're no longer any good. They're no longer any good. I used to know that I'm not able, but now with Him, I know I'm able. I used to not be smart enough, but, but now I have the Spirit of God. And the Bible tells me, it shall teach me all things and bring all things to my remembrance whatsoever I've commanded unto you. And, and I, I, may, I may not feel qualified enough to teach that Bible study or witness to my coworker. And on my own, I'm not qualified. I, I, don't, I don't have the right words to say, but the Bible says in the moment, the Spirit will give you what to say. God will quicken you in what to say. So ladies and gentlemen, you don't have an excuse. I don't have an excuse when it comes to God. We don't have an excuse. We've got to free ourselves from excuses. Our past mistakes are not even an excuse. Pastor read the verse this morning, Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. He said, now there's no, therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. There's no condemnation. We don't have the excuse of condemnation anymore. We don't, we don't have the excuse of our past mistakes being too big for God anymore because He died on Calvary for you and for me. We don't have that luxury to say that, uh, that I just, I've gone too far. I've made too many mistakes for God to be able to use me. But there's no more condemnation. If you're in Christ Jesus, I feel like God wants you to realize where you're at. You're in Him. You're in Him. Yes, your excuses are valid if you were not in Him. But I've come to remind somebody tonight that you're in Him. You're in Christ Jesus. So there's no more condemnation. There's no more weaknesses. There's no more faults because He will perfect the work in us.
the work he begun in you, he's able to perform it. He's able to do it. Moses, <clears throat> Moses is probably one of the one of the greatest characters, uh, one of the greatest stories that that you can find of of just how God used you know just one man to do such a mighty work. But Moses was full of excuses. When God first called him, when God first got a hold of him, he was full of excuses. God, there, he, here Moses is standing before the burning bush. In the burning bush, God is speaking to him out of that. And he's telling him, I need you to go to Egypt. And I need you to tell that Pharaoh to let my people go. And Moses standing there, a shepherd, now saying, how am I supposed to go to the most powerful person and say, let all those people go free. Moses begins to have excuse after excuse. Exodus 4 and verse 1, Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me. They're not going to hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, What is in your hand? And he said, A rod. He said, Cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. Moses was pretty smart. And the Lord said unto Moses, Put forth thine hand, and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand, and he caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. And he said that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and the God of Jacob, hath appeared unto thee. And the Lord said... Furthermore unto him, put forth thine hand into thy bosom. And he put his hand into his bosom. When he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous as snow. And he said, put thy hand into thy bosom again. And he put his hand into his bosom again. And he plucked it out of his bosom. And behold, it was turned again as his other flesh. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe me, thee, the Lord said, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign, that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe after these two signs, Neither hearken unto thy voice, that thou shalt take of the water of the river and pour it upon the dry land. And the water which thou takest out of the river shall become as blood upon the dry land. And Moses, after hearing all this and seeing all this, goes back to excuses. Moses said unto the Lord, O Lord, I'm not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor nor, uh, since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I'm slow of speech. I'm, I have a slow tongue. I'm not even able to speak straight. How am I supposed to speak to this man? The Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Who maketh the dumb or deaf or seeing or the blind? Have I not the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth and teach thee what thou shalt say. Ladies and gentlemen, God will be with you. He's going to be with you whenever he tells you to go. You just go. You're not qualified. You're not able to stand up against it. But you've got God who's on your side. After after that, you'd think Moses would be ready to go. The next verse, Moses says, I pray send somebody else. You got the wrong guy. He said, Lord, I pray, send somebody. Lord, send somebody to do that work you just called me to do. We can, we can spiritualize our excuses. And we can, we can get our excuses and we can, we can say, oh, I'm not able. But Lord, touch somebody else to do it. 
When God's saying, no, I put you in the position. I'm calling you. I'm calling your name. I'm asking you to do the work. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, if we're going to have the revival God wants us to have, we're going to need everybody to throw away their excuses and say, God, whatever you're calling me to do, that's what I'm going to do. God, whatever you want me to say, that's what I'm going to say. And we follow after the voice of God and we walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. We walk in faith and not excuses. And the Lord says, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he says, it's not Aaron, the Levite, thy brother. He said, I know he can speak well. (laughs) And also behold, he cometh forth to meet thee. When he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. And thou shalt speak to him and put words in his mouth. And I will be with thy mouth and with his mouth and will teach you what he shall do and he shall be even thy spokesman unto the people and he shall be even and he shall uh, be of thee instead of a mouth and thou shalt be of him instead of God and thou shalt take the rod in thine hand and wherewith thou shalt do signs. From there on, we know the story. We know God began to move. It wasn't it, it wasn't like a fairy tale. It was a challenge after challenge. But guess what? God was always with him. God will perform the work. God will complete the work. It's not that everything's going to go smooth. It's not that everything's going to go perfect. It's not that everything's going to go according to our plans. But God's going to do the work. God will use you and I to do the work. So we know God brought them out of the land of Egypt. And and they began to make their way to the promised land. Then we find they come to the promised land. And Moses sends out some spies into the promised land and said, why don't you go out into the promised land and, and bring back a report to us? And Numbers 13 talks about the report that was brought back. The Bible says this in Numbers chapter 13 and verse number 30. It says, Caleb stilled the people before Moses. A lot of the spies came back and said, we cannot take the land. It's too great for us. But Caleb tried to steal the people. And he says, let us go up at once and possess it. For we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people. For they are stronger than we are. They had their excuses. The Bible says they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, the land through which we have gone to search it is a land eaten up with the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, sons of Enoch, which were come of the giants. And we were in our own sights as grasshoppers. So we were in their sight. He said we were like grasshoppers in their sight. Goes on to continue on in chapter 14. The Bible says, And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto him, Would that God had that we died in the land of Egypt? Or would God had died, would God that we had died in this wilderness? And wherefore hath the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword? that our wives and our children should be 
a prey were it not better for us to return unto Egypt. Ladies and gentlemen, you begin to make excuses. You'll begin to think that sin and that this world is better than God. You'll begin to wish that you were in bondage. It will excuses will begin to put you back into a mental bondage. You'll begin to wish for Egypt again. And they begin to wish for Egypt, and they, they begin to they begin to to do this, and 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 the Bible says that Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. And Joshua the son of Nun, Caleb the son of Jabal, it says, which were of them that searched the land, they rent their clothes, and they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. Joshua and Caleb are there. They're saying, we can do it. We're well able. We can do it. Joshua and Caleb are the two voices saying, we were there. We saw it. God, God, God is able. He, he can do it. And, and, and they, they, they said, he's, he's able to do this. But it says, they, they spake unto all of them. It's a good land. And then he says this, if the Lord delight in us, if God is with us, then he will bring us into this land. And he will give it to us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. He said, only rebel not ye against the Lord. Neither fear the people of the land, for they are bread for us. And when you, when you get rid of your excuses, you begin to, you begin to see. They, one person said, we're like grasshoppers in their sight. Joshua and Caleb said, they're bread for us to eat. Ladies and gentlemen, we got to adopt the mentality that there is no good excuse. When God is on our side, there's nothing that can stand against us. It doesn't matter how big the giants are. It doesn't matter how big the situation is. It doesn't matter how big the sickness is. It doesn't matter how big the problem is. It doesn't matter how big, whatever it is that you're facing or whatever it is that you need to be set free from this year. I don't know how big it is, but it doesn't matter how big it is because I know a God that's bigger than anything. He's bigger than every excuse that the enemy has given to you. He's bigger than everything that you will face. But then the congregation wanted to stone him. He says, their defense is part, departed from us. And the Lord is with us. Fear them not. But all the congregation bade stone them with stones. And the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. And the Lord said unto Moses, how long will this people provoke me? How long will it be ere they believe me for all the signs which I have showed among them? I will smite them with pestilence and disinherit them and will make of thee a greater nation and mightier than they. God, because of their excuses, God was ready to just start over with somebody else. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't, I don't want God to, to jump me by and say, you know what, I'm just going to have to use somebody else because I can't get through this thick skull that I, that, that, that's right here. I can't, I can't get past this pride or I can't, I can't get past this. And, and finally Moses stayed the hand of God and everything, but, but, but they, they had this mentality. I want you to understand something. They had this mentality that they said that they were grasshoppers. He said, we are like grasshoppers in their sight. They see us as grasshoppers. Ladies and gentlemen, you begin to look into the word of God. 
I'm, I'm, I'm like that. I'll see something like grasshoppers. I'm like, I wonder what the Bible says about grasshoppers everywhere else. And so I just get on a rabbit trail and I don't finish my reading for the day because I'm like in 50 different other books looking at where grasshoppers are in the word of God. So I go to Isaiah chapter 40 and verse number 21, where it talks about grasshoppers. And this is a powerful passage of scripture. I'm sure we all know it, but it says, have you not known? Have you not heard? Hath it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers to God. Ladies and gentlemen, they were making their enemy to be God. God sees everything else as grasshoppers. And we sometimes, if we're not careful, we'll look at our enemy and say our enemy sees us as grasshoppers. Ladies and gentlemen, do not give your enemy the credit. Don't give them the credit of being like God. There is the creator and then everything else is creation. We got to get that in our mind. There's God and then everything else. There's the power of the name of Jesus and then everything else. Everything in heaven, everything in earth, and everything under the earth bows to the name of Jesus Christ. You got to understand who you serve and who's in you and the spirit that you have living inside of you. You are to be victorious. You're to be the head and not the tail. God is on your side. And if God be for us, who can be against us? You can't give your enemy the credit of them being like God or having this great power that's too insurmountable. He says, it's God that seeth everybody as grasshoppers. He stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in. That bringeth princes to nothing and maketh judges of the earth as vanity. Yea, they shall not be planted. Yea, they shall not be sown. Yea, their stock shall not take root in the earth. He shall also blow upon them and they shall wither. And the whirlwind shall take them away as stubble. To whom then will you liken me? Or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high. Behold, who hath created these things that bringeth out their hosts by numbers? He calleth all them by the names for the greatness of his might. For that he is strong in power, not one faileth. Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? God doesn't know where I'm at. God doesn't compare, God doesn't care about me. My way is hidden from the Lord. And my judgment is passed over from God. Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard? Ooh, I like that. He, he, he uses that a little bit in Isaiah 40. Has, don't you know? Haven't you heard? We, we gotta get that in our spirit. Don't you know? Haven't you heard? My God's bigger than my problem. Don't you know? Haven't you heard? I'm not able, but with God, I can, I think I can do it. Don't you know? Haven't you heard? I've got the Spirit of God inside of me. You gotta get something inside of you that says, 
My God is bigger. My God is able. And I don't have a good excuse. Because I now know and I've heard. I don't have a good excuse. Because I know and I've heard. What have you heard? Whoo! That the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. The young men shall utterly fail. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Don't you know? Haven't you heard? You don't have a good excuse anymore. Because you have a God that sits upon the throne. You have a God that can make a way out of no way. You have a God that can heal your body. That can change your situation. Would you worship Him for a moment? Oh, come on. You don't have a good excuse not to get up out of your seat and worship God. I may be tired, but that's no excuse for me not to worship God. I may be sick, but that's no excuse for me not to worship God. I may have fear, but that's no excuse for me not to worship God. I don't have a good excuse. He's been too good to me. Let's all stand all over the building, God. God's wanting to do something. Your excuses may be valid excuses. But when you factor in God, they're no longer a good excuse. Your excuses of busyness or complacency may be a valid excuse. But they're not valid when you factor in the benefit of being invited to the, to the table, invited to the master's supper. We got to make up in our mind, we're going to trust in God. No more excuses. Peter and John, after they received the Holy Ghost, they're walking into the temple. And they had a valid excuse. I don't have any silver or gold to give to you today. But that excuse wasn't good enough now because they've been filled with the Holy Ghost. They said, I'm still broke, but I got something. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, lay man rise up and walk. One time, one time a man came to Jesus and said, and Jesus asked him, he said, do you believe? And I love his response. I've never been able to get away from his response. He says, Lord, I believe. But he said, but help my unbelief. 
he had a few excuses in his mind. He, 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 he didn't know how it was all going to happen. He didn't know how it was going to take place. He didn't, he, he could, he couldn't visualize it yet, but he got the mentality to say, I could be like, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do it. But the first words were out of his mouth were, Lord, I believe. I believe. Now I need you to help my unbelief a little bit, but I believe. I believe. I believe. You got to get like Paul that says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthened me. You got you to believe that I don't have a good excuse anymore. When God says go, I don't have a good excuse to not go. When God says speak, I don't have a good excuse not to speak. I heard one old preacher say this. God's not going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. He's not going he's, he, you know, to say, well thought, thou good and faithful servant. Or, well said, thou good and faithful servant. Yeah, well intentioned, thou good and faithful servant. He's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And I know you don't feel qualified. I don't feel qualified. And I know, I know you, you, don't, you don't know how God wants to use you because of things in your past or because of insecurities you deal with and things you struggle with in your mind. But I'm telling you right now, in the Holy Ghost, we don't have a good excuse anymore. Because haven't you heard? And don't you know, He's the everlasting God that sits upon the circle of the earth. He's able to do all things. He's above all things. And man, that, that song that they sang, it says, you know, I, all I can do, I've just got one response. I've got just one move. It says, with my arms outstretched, I'm just going to worship you. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm making up my mind. I've got one response to whatever God wants for me this year. And it's saying, God, whatever you want. I'm not going to make excuses. I'm not going to say no way. I'm going to say, God, I just worship you. I don't have anything that's fit for a king. But I'm still going to lift up my hands. And I'm going to say, God, I believe. Help my unbelief. Would you come to this altar tonight? And would you make up that determination? Lay some excuses on the altar. An altar is a place where God burns things. Lay every excuse down tonight. Lay every excuse down. Lay every insecurity down and say, God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I believe. Come on, this is an altar. The fire's burning. Burn up those excuses. They're not a good excuse anyways. Oh, hallelujah.